This week's episode was filmed in May, released in June. We talk a lot about Sense8 and our hopes and dreams about Season 3, but unfortunately, on June 1st, the start of Pride Month, it was announced that Sense8 would not be having a Season 3. So when you're listening to this podcast, you can hear how happy we are about the prospects and things that we might get. I'm going to leave all of that intact because it was a pretty positive feeling at the time. You should hear how excited we were. And we are pretty disappointed right now, but the show must go on. So with no further ado, welcome to the third episode of the Queer Geek Cast. Thank you for tuning in to the Queer Geek Cast, hosted by the Geekiary. Here we'll discuss various LGBTQ plus topics in relation to geek culture and fandom. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Queer Geek Cast for updates on upcoming episodes. Let's have a chat. Thank you for joining the Queer Geek cast. Today's topic is bisexual characters in media. Specifically, we're going to be focusing on canon relationships in genre TV, potentially films, as well as the fan and creator interaction. I'm really excited about today's guest because I have a long history of podcasting with her. Um, We participated in two (laughs) podcasts together before, so uh, Emma, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm Emma, aka Etceteras, on Twitter. I am co-founder of the diverse TV database, Genre TV for All, although we're currently on hiatus. And yes, we did formally podcast for Genre TV for All, as well as the Destiel podcast, Free to Be, which was a little while ago. Did leave that fandom after the great queerbaiting fan exodus of 2014. But my first and longest fandom love is the X-Files. So a little bit about, about me, I identify as bisexual and or pansexual either one is good for me so I'm always on the lookout for characters like that on television yeah and 2017 has been a really interesting year as far as uh, bisexual characters Um, the first one I want to dive right into is Sense8 because Sense8 I binged season two like as soon as it came out within the first two days I had finished the entire (laughs) second season Um, and it has a very prominent bisexual character Um, you want to tell me a little bit about that Yeah, yeah. So um, this is the new character, Zakia, who's recurring. So she's not one of the eight senseis that we met last year, but she is in a romantic relationship with one of the characters, Caffius. And... um, Uh, But she has her own story going, too. Like, she's a reporter, and she's really interested in, like, progressive politics in Kenya. And um, I thought that was really fascinating because Sense8 has made such an effort to be inclusive as far as gender and sexuality. And there wasn't a really, like, explicitly bisexual character until the second season. You know, they had um, a gay character, a lesbian, transgender woman, but... um, not really someone who came out and identified in a way that was very clearly pansexual or bisexual. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because uh, one thing Sense8, I think, does really well is kind of addresses issues that these individual groups face. Like, uh, with Nomi, it did uh, kind of tackle a lot of issues that trans women face, like parents dead naming her and all these things so when it comes to uh, Zakia being bisexual one of the first things they do is everyone just assumes she's gay you know she's lesbian she likes women they don't even think that it could be bisexual or pansexual it's like she likes women she's gay there it's a binary thinking so when they did that I was like yeah that totally happens all the time like whoever you're with at the time that's your sexuality you know bisexuality is a thing guys but um, right 
And that's one of those things where you see that in TV and in real life. Like in the TV show, like uh, Kathy shows up at her workplace and her coworkers are like, oh, barking up the wrong tree, dude. Like she had a girlfriend in London and like as if that's the end of it. Like clearly she couldn't be interested in men, you know, and I'm like that kind of thing happens all the time. And it's so, uh, you know, just like refreshing or realistic to have them call out that assumption in the show it is it is and i also wanted to look into a little bit of the context because like we're here in the u.s but but since eight takes place around the world and i right. i don't know much about kenyan politics or culture but i did do a little bit of research just so i kind of understood it and it seems like it is being talked about like bisexuality and in just Um, queerness in general is being talked about in the media in Kenya Um, and sort of like here in the US though it is slightly more acceptable for women than it is for men so you know Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to kind of have that context because since it is (laughs) such a uh, international show I was kind of curious yes yeah yeah and you could tell that like the character was a little apprehensive like is this going to be a problem for you when she's talking to Caffius, who's a man and Kenyan and um as far as she knows like not very worldly like limited to his own neighborhood because she doesn't know about like his sensei connections right yeah and he immediately is like you know this is fine but um you can't always assume that whether you live in Kenya or the U.S. or anywhere else with Sensei, it's yeah. important to show a lot of different types of representation, too, because not only do we have a bisexual character, but it's a bisexual POC character. And also, she does have kind of an international story. She is in Kenya. She returned to Kenya, but she did study abroad as well. Um, I think it was the UK, if I yeah. remember correctly, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember they had that funny kind of conversation about like tea and coffee when he he gets up at her place and he's like shocked (laughs) by this coffee maker you know because he comes from a very poor background and um she has modern amenity whoa amenities amenities and uh (laughs) and he was like uh she says she misses coffee when she was in england and he's like oh but england has good tea and she's like how do you know and he's like oh i watched the movie you know uh but like yeah she has a much more international background um and you know i kind of like i have not been in anything as extreme as that like where I, i moved from um like a continent to another continent and back but having lived in red states and blue states a lot of times people ask me like well if you're like a liberal bisexual uh how could you possibly move to the south right which is where i live now and i'm like Mm -hmm. well this is my home and like yes people don't accept me but it's also kind of like uh place will never change if there aren't people there pushing for it as well so i I like i identify with that as as well i like i really like this character (laughs) (laughs) me too and i hope that she stays around um if there's a season three i don't know if a season three has been announced yet but the show seems to be doing very well so i i hope I I can assume that there will be, and I hope that she sticks around for it. Yeah, I haven't heard it announced, but it seems like they've invested so much in it, it would be kind of a shame not to continue with it. But um, Mm -hmm. it's a a really interesting view of the world, like the fact that it has queer creators, you know, uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski uh, are are trans women who created the show, along with um, the guy from Babylon 5, Right. Gee, Michael Straczynski. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. I was going to get his name totally right. Yes, yeah, yes. I think I probably butchered it. I think it you got too, it. But... No, I think you got it. <laughs> but um, to have like 
queer or trans women, like writing, directing, and acting, you know, I think it really brings an authenticity to the show that uh, you don't always see. Like, they're able to sidestep a lot of the common pitfalls in television. Yeah, very, very true. Um, I I did an article um, where I wanted to actually interview trans people about the show to see how they felt about it. And generally, I mean, there was some disagreement among them because I had like three people, I think. Um, it was a small little tiny panel. And but in general, it was positive. So yeah. I was really interested in that perspective and I got it. So <laughs> totally. I mean, that's just true of like, if you ask three LGBT people, you're going to get three individual responses right like we don't agree on everything just because we have that marginalized identity in common but Mm -hmm. um i've Mm -hmm. seen like mostly positive responses as well so another thing i do want to talk about because you did mention that like we don't have a before um before zakia we did not have a canonically bisexual character but there's been a lot of discussion about like the orgy scene and what that means for these characters sexuality Yeah. yeah i'm not really sure myself like how to interpret that like if that's just sort of trying to say like well sexuality is fluid and like in the right situation like i don't know like because you know over here like will or wolfgang identifies bisexual like you see them having same-sex contact in these kind of like psycho you know long distance i don't connections that they have i don't know (laughs) Uh, yeah, and and it is interesting because that did cause a little bit of a little bit of controversy because, on the one hand, if you consider all the characters pansexual, awesome. It's eight you know protagonists that are in the LGBTQ spectrum, but at the same time, um, Nomi before that moment was lesbian and Leto um, um, is gay. Exactly. Right. So and you does don't that erase? Take that away from them. Yeah. Does that erase their identities? So. That is kind of a difficult line to straddle. Right, right. Well, me being bisexual, I love to claim as many as I can, but I do want want to respect that not everyone is actually bisexual as much as I wish they were, right? And on this spectrum, you know, there's some in the middle and some on the ends. But I, I feel like there's also, like, a context difference, too. Like, being able to share this kind of... Uh, this closest intimacy that sometimes is expressed sexually among the group of the eight of them is not necessarily the same thing as like having a relationship with someone of the of a sex or gender that you're not interested in yeah in like your day-to-day life so i mean typically i want to go with like what real people identify as right so if like you're an actual living real breathing person not a fictional character and you say i'm bisexual or i'm gay or i'm straight that's the end of the story right you just believe them regardless but with fictional characters it can be a little tricky because they don't always come right out and say it you can just kind of judge by as much as you know from the story yeah, yeah. And that's where we get all of our lovely head cannons with all, with fanfic and I claim this Absolutely. character in the name of whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm claiming them, they're mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on from Sensate, I have mm-hmm. heard a lot about Black Sales, but I have not actually watched it. But I I follow one person on Twitter. She's kind of lonely. She's like one of three people that watches <laughs> it that I know. Um, but she just tweets about it a lot and and it sounds kind of amazing, and I feel yeah. like I need to check this out. Um, tell me a little bit about Black Sails. Yes, yeah, so I love Black Sails. It's one of my favorite shows that I've watched, like, ever. Um, it's basically 
a prequel to Treasure Island, but don't let that stop you, because personally, I did not really care about that aspect <laughs> of it. But in the sense that it has Long John Silver's origin story and some of the kind of like mythic figures from that story, like Captain Flint. Captain Flint is the main character in Black Sails. Uh, James McGraw is his name, like his non-pirate name. But it also has a lot of the really famous pirate names that some of whom are based on like real people in real life but then exaggerated a little bit but like Anne Bonny um Jack Rackham uh Charles Vane Blackbeard like the whole to do and it's a really uh really great show it just ended it had four seasons and its finale was this year it was on stars but you can still check it out on like the stars app i think um it is pretty violent i would say there are some major trigger warnings especially in season one but as it goes on um it's been really impressive as far as a depiction of queer pirates and not just one but like multiple so the main character captain flint male super masculine pirate like captain uh he turns out to be bisexual and Anne bonnie is bisexual eleanor guthrie who's kind of like the businesswoman who's running the island of nassau also bisexual their uh girlfriend eleanor and then later bonnie max lesbian so like a lot of queer characters who are either like the main character or in the main ensemble like top few names in the opening credits kind of thing yeah which you just don't see a whole lot of especially with male bisexual characters yeah like like i was mentioning earlier it's seems to be less taboo for female bisexual characters than it is for male bisexual characters right right and especially because like um this one defies kind of stereotypes like i think we should have all types represented like i think you should be able to have any type of bisexual character any gender any kind of gender presentation but if you're on the end of like manly man dude bro type with like swords and beards and er you know that's captain (laughs) flint and so they didn't reveal that he was anything other than heterosexual until the second season so you can imagine the dude bro fans who signed up to watch pirates kick butt and then all of a sudden find out that their hero has been in love with another man this whole time in season two. And that's they, the main character, right? That's the main character, yeah. Like he's he's the amazing. main character, yeah. And um, the comments online were like hideous, as you can imagine. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, like, what are they going to do, you know? Like, because it's kind of the, the fear, um, I think, of a lot of shows is that they're, if they make a really important character queer, then their fans will abandon them and they won't get renewed and it'll all be over. But they totally stuck with it. You know? I wonder, you know, looking back, you said that happened in season two. I season wonder two. which came first, this character or um, um, Clark from The Hundred? Because one of them, I feel like, would be the first bisexual. But then again, Star's kind of 
it's not network, so maybe they have yeah. a little bit more leeway and they Stars don't count towards does this. does have a little more leeway, but this is also the same channel that did, like, Da Vinci's Demons, which um, was, like, controversial in a whole other way because they basically made Da Vinci have, like, one kiss with a man once in, like, a special, a very special episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? And otherwise he was, like, a womanizer, and um, it was just very bizarre. And uh, this this Black Sails is actually executive produced by Michael Bay of Transformers. Really? I did not know that. I don't think he has any, like, writing influence on it, but uh, he kind of finances it. And uh, you can tell in this, the explosion scenes every now and then. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Michael Bay explosions. Oh, right. my God. But, like, one of the things I think that protected them a little bit from the blowback is that... Um, it's a premium channel show, so they only have 10 or 13 episodes a season. They film the whole thing in advance, and then they show them. So unlike a show like <clears throat> Supernatural or any <laughs> other show that has, like, 23 episodes, they're filming it the whole time, or even, like, the 100, I don't know how many episodes they have, but, like, The Flash and all the DC-verse, like, I'm just thinking of all those shows that go on forever. It feels like they're constantly kind of, like updating and responding to fans but there's no chance for that if you film the whole series in it like you film the whole season in advance you know yeah yeah you can't really i mean you you're kind of locked in you gotta stick with what you did for that season the actor like the starring actor toby stevens like he knew before they filmed season one the direction of his character so like he knew this was coming when he signed on for it even though they weren't going to reveal it till season two and it wasn't done in a kind of like ooh shocking like spoiler kind of thing like if you were a queer viewer such as myself and you know what to look for uh, you could have seen it coming, and yet I was still surprised because I expected to be queer baited. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm always expecting to be queer baited <laughs> at this point, and when I'm not, I'm pleasantly surprised. So yeah. right. So they have all these like flashback scenes. So when he was in London, and like he's having uh, a relationship with a woman, and then you know he spends a lot of time with her husband, and I'm just like, I see where this is going, haha. You know? And I'm like, but they'll never do it. And then they totally did it, and I couldn't. Believe believe it and um to spoil the season ending of four like the whole show ending uh it seems like his his lover like the man that he knew in england who kind of set him up on his motivation for this whole thing to do with nassau and like liberating um the pirates from england's control and everything like it turns out this that his lover thomas hamilton was like his inspiration for everything he did after that but um you think that he's died because uh, he was an aristocrat and Hamilton's father found out about him and put him in an insane asylum and you think that he committed suicide and this whole time I was thinking like oh wouldn't it be great if that like didn't really happen and they could get together at the end and then they did I couldn't believe it. <laughs> oh my God. they were like basically I mean when does that happen right like at the very last episode you find out that actually Hamilton had been sent off to Georgia in the United States and he was in like um like a plantation for like people whose families had paid to send them away where they couldn't embarrass them anymore. And Flint is reunited with him at the end and they're both alive and they're together and pretty much all of the queer characters end up with a happy ending except for one, which I wasn't super mad about because if you have that many, like, you know, yeah. like, and that's, if one of them. <laughs> and that's the thing. Usually we get like one queer character. So if they have a bad plot and end up unhappy, 
see, that's all we get. But when you have that's a it, lot, yeah. like when you have large representation and one has a bad ending, I mean, you know, it's sad, but we have a lot to choose from. So exactly. basically more queer characters everywhere, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to so. watch, I'm going to have to watch Black Sails. You've thoroughly convinced me at this point. <laughs> and I love, I don't want to like short shrift the, the female characters too, because they're one, and Bonnie, like she might, I mean, she's one of my favorites too. Like she's just, she's great. And she ends up in what seems like it might be a polyamorous triad because she's with Jack Rackham, but also... Um, she was with Max for a while, who's a woman, and they had a you know a falling out, but they reconcile in the final season. So it's kind of implied that the three of them end up together. It's not really a triad so much as a V because Max is a lesbian. But anyway, <laughs> point being, it was great and I loved it. And the show itself is just really well written and really high production value. That's amazing. I would say this first season is maybe the the weakest one, which is part of why maybe it didn't catch on as much because it got better as it went along, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, it's always weird when a show has a weak first season. Like, I feel like a lot of shows do that, but some pick up more steam and others don't. But I'll have to give this one another shot because the first season didn't interest me, but clearly I'm missing out. (laughs) (laughs) So another one I want to talk about is The Magicians, which I've only seen season one, but apparently there was recently a season two, so I definitely need to catch up. Um, Feel free to spoil me because I want to talk about these things. (laughs) Even It's my fault that I'm not caught up, so... um, I think you saw the great threesome episode, yes? Yes, yes, that is in season one. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, uh, the main character in The Magicians is Quentin Coldwater, right? Mm -hmm. Who uh, seems mostly straight, I guess. Uh, His main, like, love interest is Alice. But then my favorite character is Elliot. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but he's He's pretty fantastic, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and I would say that he's mostly gay, and he, you often see him described as a gay character, and I don't know if that's based on the books or, or what, but um, he does not exclusively show interest in men, so I, I want to claim him as a high Kinsey number bisexual, personally. Um I mean, he is fictional, so he can't actually come out and tell us, but he has a threesome with uh, Quentin and Margot, and then in the second season, he gets married to a woman in Fillory. He has to, like, to save them, but then he says, like, you know, that over time, he comes to really care about her, and um, she gets pregnant, and you could tell that he's very frustrated sexually because being with a woman only is not enough for him. And he really misses being with men. But by the end of the season, he's able to come up with a solution where he can, like, apparently it's, it's legal in Fillory, the magical land, for the king to have a husband and a wife. So, like, he ends up and he, he meets this other, like, king of a rival kingdom. I don't know. Fillory is progressive. <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, and he's like, this is great. Like, his polyamorous royal family where he can have his wife and his husband and and be happy that way and I, I love that I think that's great and it's a really different representation I think of bisexuality than what we usually see because most of the time people think bisexual has to mean 50 50 like you like men and women equally as often equally as strongly you know what I mean and you don't have that many characters that will show like a more than um, a, like a stronger preference for same sex, but not 
no interest in different sex, you know? Yeah, yeah. That kind of goes back to, I mean, somewhat goes back to the binary thinking. And I, but I guess it's more mm-hmm. um, three different options. Either you're 50-50 or you're gay or you're straight. But the Kinsey <laughs> scale gets overlooked a lot. Like, there are six, well, se- seven, yeah, seven, seven. on the Kinsey scale. Yeah, zero, yeah, I guess we should uh, step back and explain what the Kinsey scale is before I'm just like, he's obviously a high Kinsey number. Yeah, where, like, zero zero would be exclusively heterosexual, six would be exclusively homosexual, and then a three would be directly in the middle and kind of, like, no preference either way. So ones and twos are, like, more on the straight side but not straight and then a four and a five would be closer to gay but not gay still bisexual and that's where i see elliot like a probably four or five maybe closer to five probably like a five like he like he he cares about you know his wife and he likes to have some fun sometimes but for him as an individual like he's mostly interested in men and is unhappy when he can't be with men yeah we will claim him <laughs> for ours. On it. <laughs> um, so another one that I don't watch, but I've heard a little bit about, is the originals, which I think is interesting. I don't know any of these characters, but I have heard about the creators <laughs> being responsive, yeah. and that intrigues yeah. me. Right, so the originals is a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries, and um, I watched them in the wrong order. (laughs) I started watching the originals, and then later I started watching the Vampire Diaries. So I'm mostly caught up on the show. Uh, I haven't seen every episode from this season, but the originals is currently in season four. And one of the, it's about like a family of vampires, like the original family. That's why they're called that. (laughs) And it's the oldest sibling is Freya. And she's not actually a vampire. She's a witch, whatever. Anyway, she, we've seen her in the past, like not really in a serious relationship, but she's shown interest in men, um, didn't really go anywhere. And then this season, she actually gets a real romance with another character, Keelan, who is a werewolf. And I just saw the episode recently where they kissed. This is only like from this month. Like this was the beginning of, of May. Um, so this is a really recent development. And um, I think it's great. Like it was kind of a slow burn. It was an episode like six or seven of the season. So they had time to build up. And, you know, it was really nice. Like it seemed to me like they're treating it on the level that they do the other romances in the show. I mean, a little late in season four for them to introduce one. Uh, (laughs) There was a gay relationship in season two that was quite ugly because it was between two male characters, uh, not main family characters, but still like pretty important characters. And one of them got killed off like as soon as they got together. And it was, yeah, people were really not happy about that. So that was about two years ago, but it seems like they've learned from from that and from Klexa, you know, the 100, and the general outcry about all the character deaths uh, for same-sex relationships. And the writer, Karina McKenzie, who writes for the originals, who came up with the idea of Freya having another woman for her love interest, she really, like responded to fans who were worried online and saying that they heard the outcry and they're not going to make the same mistakes that other shows, you know, have made in the past. Um, and that she's actually straight up said, like, they will not kill off Freya's girlfriend. If the actress has conflicts, you know, that would be the only reason she would leave. And even then they wouldn't kill her. 
So that's pretty. That is good. Pretty reassuring. Yeah. 2016 <laughs> was the year that this topic got brought to the forefront. Like really early on in 2016, like January and February, people started to take a tally mm-hmm. of um, the people that fell into these tropes. And the two tropes I'm I'm specifically referencing are bury your gaze trope and the another dead lesbian trope, um, which are similar, but you know one of them is specifically about women because that one is very yeah. much uh, prominent and the another dead lesbian trope also includes bisexual women um there was this article that came out early on last year that started talking about these and then they started to compile a list and the list just kept growing and growing and growing and they kept updating it until it was like over a hundred and this dates back many years beyond 2016 just to kind of show the pattern Mm -hmm. of all these characters that died um Mm -hmm. these queer women specifically that just die or if not die they are destroyed in a way like one of the characters from babylon 5 she doesn't die but her personality is erased so she's basically gone um yeah and it's just very troubling and 2016 i mean it's been happening for a long time but in 2016 people really started paying attention to this there's just a whole bunch of them in a row that year. You know, it was like we finally felt like we were getting all these queer female characters on TV. It was like, oh, my God, we finally did it. We have so many. And then, like, a whole bunch of them were killed off in sweeps in the spring. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it was just it was it was really kind of shocking. And there was such a fuss about it. And I remember, like, you know, following writers and showrunners on Twitter and some of them had you know the worst reactions they were just really defensive and not listening but then others were kind of like I've never heard of this before barrier gay is the thing and I'm like okay welcome late to the party but at least they're listening now and so a year later I think you start to see people being wary not to make those mistakes like now that the awareness is a little higher hopefully We'll see. Hopefully, there won't be quite as much of a bloodbath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is why I appreciate fans being kind of loud, and some people consider it annoying, but it really can have an effect on this. I mean, we might be seen as kind of entitled and whiny, but whatever. Like, we're being heard. People are are responding, and maybe the responses aren't always good, but at least, like, Mm -hmm. they're aware that this is happening. They might get defensive, but they know. So now we know that they know. Um, It's very valuable. So basically, listeners, keep being loud and annoying because you're getting shit done. That's right. (laughs) Respectful. Respectfully annoying. respectfully annoying. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorites. One of my favorites um, of... This was actually in 2016, but it's going to be coming back this year, is Winona Earp. Like, oh my god, this one blew my mind. Um, it, a lot of the hype around Winona Earp reminds me of a lot of the hype around Lost Girl, um, where there's just a mm-hmm, huge mm-hmm. online fan base of queer women who have found mm-hmm. something that they can see themselves in, and it's not just a one-off character, but it's central to the show. And, like, it's a quality show. Like, even if you removed those elements, the show would be quality, but you add these in, and um, these characters in, and we can see ourselves in it, which is kind of the point. Um, But yeah, Winona Earp has been amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's some of the same people involved that were in Lost Girl and some of the same fandom. And also, uh, this coincided with the big exodus from the 100, right? So, like, a lot of the fans who were upset about that show, like, 
a few months later, were able to latch onto Winona, Winona Earp. And with the uh, showrunner, Emily Andras, being so responsive to fans online and, like, you know, in a similar way to the originals, like, going out there and reassuring them that they're not going to betray the trust of their queer fans, you know? Um, and t- talk about, like, upending the barrier gay trope with, like, bulletproof lesbian. <laughs> yeah, like, there were moments when they might die, and they didn't. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, like, literally bulletproof vests. Like, <laughs> definitely go for that. <laughs> put, them, put all queer women on TV shows in bulletproof vests. Let's keep them living. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, and the new news is, um, so, you know, Winona Earp, uh, her sister Waverly is bisexual, and Waverly's girlfriend is Nicole Hot, and uh, the actress has been promoted to a regular for season two. So, I mean, that doesn't guarantee a certain amount of screen time or you know anything like that, but it does suggest that we'll be seeing more of her and that she's there to stay, like that relationship. Yeah. Uh, also, I love the ship name, Way Hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Waverly, and then Hot is the last name. Way Hot. It's fantastic. It's cute. Um, It's cute. So it is great to see a show about siblings hunting monsters (laughs) with plenty of women and queer characters present. Just saying. Man, it's like totally possible to do that. (laughs) Imagine. I know. Who'd have thunk? (laughs) Um, So moving on from TV, movies are kind of lagging behind on this. Um, yeah. and I've been doing a lot of thinking about why that might be, and I think it's because it's a higher risk to have mm-hmm. a queer character, specifically bisexual, in a movie because you just make the one-off movie and then it's over. And with a TV show, they have the chance to like pull back and walk it back a bit, or like if it's not working out, kill the character and bury their gaze. Um, but with movies, it's seen as much more risky. Um, Finn and Poe, yeah. I think, is one of the biggest ones that's in the news right now that people are talking about is possibly happening. For Star Wars, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, Star Wars is a franchise, so they do have quite a few movies to work it out, uh, I guess. But each one is hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And uh, the most, after episode, well, let's see, let me count, episode eight came out. That was the most recent in the main line, right, with Finn and Poe's characters. That was the ship that emerged among fans. And um, there's been a lot of talk online about whether or not they will actually become canon. Like, are we going to see that friendship develop into a romance? Uh, recently, the Lucasfilms president, Kathleen Kennedy, kind of pushed back on that. She was at, I think, the Star Wars Orlando celebration, giving various interviews, and she had this comment where she said that they really uh, have heard a lot from fans, and they love how fans are always like coming up with their own stories within the universe, but that right now uh, there was no plan to have a Finn-Poe romance in episode eight, eight yeah. I guess. Yeah, so seven is the most recent, and then eight, yeah. So the one, the next one that's coming out, uh, which was very disappointing to some fans, but on the other hand, the, they were also saying, "Well, we still have season, we have episode nine because they do it in like chunks of three mm-hmm. in Star Wars, yeah. right?" So there's still one movie that hasn't been all the way planned out yet. And if they listen to fans, like, will they listen and put this in? I don't know. Like, I'm hesitant to get my hopes up about movies. Yeah, it's it's also it's it also feels like they might be 
somewhat queer baiting with it because a lot of mm-hmm. the promos feature Finn and Poe together and not just together, but like touching each other and like Yeah, I saw that vanity fair cover like, this week. Yeah. Um hand on his shoulder kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And you know, maybe we're reading into it. Maybe someone else wearing would look at his it. clothes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um so maybe we're reading into it, but like I feel like they're aware of it and they're kind of using it somewhat as a selling point and I really hope that I'm wrong because I don't want like Disney to do that yeah. to us. Well it's like they don't ever come out and outright shut it down and say like oh no that's never gonna happen you know you hear this kind of like oh we love our fans and who knows anything could happen kind of thing you know and i'm like are you saying that because anything really could happen or because you don't want to close off those fans yet that's the biggest queer baiting line just wait and see like see yeah i really want to be wrong with this though because i love star wars i love finn and poe i'm enjoying it so i'm being very hesitant about getting yeah. my hopes up but i am watching the all this promo material kind of with a cautious eye like please be careful disney with what you're doing yeah i really like i don't think it's gonna happen sorry to be oh, like the one who rains on the parade but the reason i think it's not gonna happen is it's kind of what you were talking about these are such high stakes movies you're talking about huge investment and so much of it uh nowadays comes from merchandising and international distribution and even if and this is a big if people were willing to have a prominent uh queer relationship in a u.s only movie they don't want to risk uh it getting banned from theaters in countries that are less accepting uh and where they could still make a lot of money <laughs> that's also because even point. with mm-hmm. Like, even with Beauty and the Beast, weren't there some theaters overseas who were not going to show it just because of, like, a very kind of minor scene with LeFou or whatever? Yeah, I can't remember which one. Yeah. But I do believe there was backlash internationally as well. Yeah. I think some theaters so, even just completely pulled the whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like, because I'm like, well, what if they just made two versions? But I guess that would really be giving away the game, they, right? Because... They do that with, with <laughs> films in China a lot. They make two versions. They make... Um, uh, they make... Uh, the regular version and then they make a China version like this doesn't have to do with sexuality but Iron Man had like an entire scene for the for the China release that was just not really yeah like um, I didn't know that and uh, specifically it was to include Chinese actors that that were Mm -hmm, famous mm -hmm. in China into Iron Man so that it it had like (laughs) yeah I mean that seems like that seems like a really positive thing to do though I think it would be harder for disney or lucas films to justify like making a version that's not gay yeah <laughs> because whenever they don't include like if they decide not to do finpo like this the line that anybody anywhere always gives is it was for story reasons right yeah. like we just went where the story took us and if you're like we just went where the money took us like that's kind of giving up what happens yeah you know? yeah Th- that's so. another queer bait line that they use like oh we just went where the story yeah. took us like these are such cliches but they're said over and over and over again by i creators. know I'm like, oh, I wasn't a real aware that the story wrote itself, and you guys are just totally captive writers that have nothing to do with the process. Right. <laughs> so, 
it's like a failure of imagination if that's all you can come up with. I, I don't buy it at all. Like there's always another reason, um, whether it's on purpose because they don't want to alienate a certain section of the audience or just accidental because they see the world through heteronormative lenses when they're writing. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it's always good to have diverse writers in the room as well. Yes. Um, like we, yeah. going back to Sensate, like, you know, you got to have that perspective. Um, and you got to have the decision makers too yeah. like it's tough because like sometimes you have a show like Hannibal right with Brian Fuller who is very you know himself gay and like interested in inclusiveness but like I don't think the network was going to let him do as much as he would have wanted and so I don't know that like Lucasfilms would necessarily let a queer writer do as much as they want or Disney or, or any of these like sometimes it's a very high up decision maker who puts the brakes on something yeah yeah and, and it's interesting because right now a lot of Disney is getting attention like we have fans pushing for Finn and Poe, but we also had the hashtag mm-hmm. Give Captain America boy uh, boyfriend uh, <laughs> hashtag Give Captain America yeah. boyfriend, and then uh, which is a little more complicated because there's a comic fan base that would probably be mm-hmm. resistant towards it. At least some of them. Oh, really? You mean the comic fan base isn't the most open-minded <laughs> group of individuals online? <laughs> yeah, and we also have uh, Give Elsa a girlfriend. So it's like the holy yeah, Disney trinity of potentially bisexual mm-hmm. characters. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's tough because those are all such huge, like financial investments. They don't want to do anything risky. Like they always want to play it as safe as possible. And I just think that it's going to be. We'll get there eventually, but it's not like the leading edge of cultural change is not going to be the movies. Like the movies are a business, and they're going to follow after society has already changed and made it safe to have those characters. Yeah, there's definitely more leeway with TV. TV can, I think, push it yeah. and be and push yeah. cultural change, but movies are going to fall behind. Right. It's lower stakes. It's, like, less money. They can always get canceled. Not not as many people watch them. I mean, I hope to be wrong. I would love to see Finn Poe. <laughs> I think that would be great. Yeah. It'll be I awesome. really want to be wrong as well. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in other movies, there are side characters that are queer, um, yeah. but never the protagonist. You already mentioned Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. which ugh, caused a lot of backlash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of like the 90s in television, you know, yeah. like the kind of like... Ross's ex-wife was a lesbian on Friends kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's kind of token character who's not super important, but then you still see people kind of, like, falling over themselves to praise their courage and showing it, right? Yeah, yeah. And Star Trek had one that is more of a central character. Um, mm-hmm. That one became Sulu. controversial. Yeah, yeah Sulu. Um, because it was a very subtle scene, which I think is a good way of, uh, of inserting a character's sexuality. It was just him greeting his family. So, you mm-hmm, know, it's mm-hmm. like, here's the sexuality, now let's move on with the plot, which I think is good, because it it's... I don't want to say it doesn't make it about it, but it kind of introduces it in a way where it's like this is just how it is and we have a story to tell mm-hmm. um but yeah that faced a lot of backlash including from george takei um yeah which was disappointing i was at uh a panel here in honolulu comic con with george takei right after that happened and like before he even took any questions he just decided to talk for five minutes about it and it's pretty much the same stuff that like has already been said in a lot of newspapers mm-hmm. and he's tweeted about but just that the character wasn't meant to be that way and etc 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 yeah mm-hmm. 
which is kind of a shame because you know star trek like pushed the envelope as much as it could in the 60s with gene roddenberry you know but there was no way that he could have had queer characters like they wanted like at various times throughout star trek's uh you know many series and movies and reincarnations there's been attempts to put gay characters in uh that have always gotten the axe somewhere higher up like you know uh producers or network or whatever and so it's not like it was never part of star trek because it wasn't part of star trek's vision it was just it would not have aired you know uh, I, wonder, so, I wonder if Star Trek Discovery will have any um, LGBT. They will, they will actually. Ooh, they, tell me more. Mm-hmm, they, <laughs> they have. They have. <laughs> they already announced that they're going to have a gay main character, like not the main character, but uh, it's 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 one of the guys. It's the guy. It's a guy who was in the movie for Rent, actually. Oh, so interesting. He's played gay character before. I, f- I forget his name, but um, yeah, I don't know. Anything, I haven't heard anything about bisexual characters, but they do at least have an LGBT representative <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good because i heard a lot of discussion about that um mainly because yeah. it was originally going to be run by brian fuller but then he stepped down and also right. just because star trek does push a lot of envelopes so people were like this right. could happen we could have it and but yeah. i haven't heard the official announcement that we were going nope. to so that's good they definitely yeah they definitely are They're, they do have this one character and it's on cbs's streaming channel which is like not quite as big of a platform as if it was to run on regular cbs it's gonna be on cbs all access uh i was kind of like i'm a big star trek fan right but been a little hesitant about that series because there's been so many delays and with brian fuller leaving it just seemed like a mess but the trailer came out last week uh as of recording (laughs) and it looked like they'd really invested a lot in it so it's just you know i'm I'm tentatively hopeful again i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) tune in to see what happens um but brian fuller leaving was a big blow to my enthusiasm just because i'm such a big brian fan girl like i understand why he can't do star trek and american gods which american gods is amazing by the way i mean they're both like pretty full-time yeah so i get it too um i'll i'll be cautiously optimistic um now another one that i haven't heard about but i believe you have is apparently there's an lgbtq plus character in power rangers i have not heard of this tell me more yeah i actually have not watched power rangers but i do know that one of the power rangers is I think lesbian or at least questioning. Uh, there's some kind of conversation in the movie, and that was supposed to be an homage, I think, to the fact that one of the actors in the original series was gay. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little too old for Power, Power Rangers. I think maybe you are too. Yeah. I don't know. I was. I I just I missed that when I was a I kid. I missed that wave. But I, yeah, I missed that wave too. Yeah. <laughs> But I have seen people who are a little younger than me uh, excited about it online, so I'm, I'm glad that they got that. Uh, but That's interesting yeah. that it's another homage, kind of like um, Star Trek was supposed to be yeah. an homage to mm-hmm. George Takei, and that didn't go over very well mm-hmm. with him. But um, well, right. So maybe that's a trend, like the movies of these franchises from mm-hmm. our either mm-hmm. our childhood or beyond, because the Star Trek one was not our childhood. That was a couple generations before <laughs> us, but you know. Well, it was our childhood too, because by, you know, we had <laughs> Uh, we had Next Generation and Deep Space yeah, Nine and Enterprise. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, Star Trek has never really ended. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Plus all the movies. Yeah. yeah. So that one goes on forever. But maybe that will become a thing, <laughs> like paying homage to the actors that couldn't, yeah. you know, get the representation. Well, especially then. if you have, 
if you have these ones that like uh, are are franchises, so I'm sure that Power Rangers expects to do a sequel, right? And like they can always build on it if it goes okay in the first one, where it's more like a TV show, where it's not a all or nothing one time situation. Yeah. Uh, I can't off the top of my head think of any bisexual characters in any recent big movies. The only ones that I can think of are in smaller, like, art movies that are, like, yeah. specifically about, like, the queer experience, <laughs> you know? Right, So not exactly. genre stuff. Right. Well, I did see, um, uh, there's a movie coming out in the summer with Charlize Theron. Uh, it's called Atomic Blonde. It's based on a graphic novel. It's like a spy action thriller. And she's the main character, and she's bisexual, the character is. And I i mean, it hasn't come out yet, so I don't really know if it'll be good or not. But it was at South by Southwest in March and got a lot of good reviews there. So maybe that's something to look for in a few months. I'm uh, really looking forward to summer science fiction TV, you know, since um, uh, Winona Earp's coming back. And then there's Killjoys and Orphan Black, which I'm not as up to date on, but they have some uh, bisexual characters in them uh, so there's a lot to look forward to and i hope it only keeps growing yeah, so we should have an interesting summer for sure all right well mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on to my podcast after we started oh thanks for having together me together it was free to be rated yes. and i was on yours and now you're on mine it's come full circle yes absolutely <laughs> uh, thank you so much thank you for listening to this week's episode of the queer geek cast Please head on over to our host website, thegeekyary.com. That's T-H-E-G-E-E-K-I-A-R-Y.com and consider supporting us on Patreon. Our music is by Sarah and the Safe Word. You can find them at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Views expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not represent the podcast or host website, The Geek Yary. Want to join in on the conversation? Send us comments via text or audio to our email address, queergeekcast at gmail.com.